Welcome to Taking a Walk, an excursion to converse, connect, and catch up at a cool location with some of the most interesting people you can find. Here's Buzz Knight. I love taking a walk with a friend at a location that holds a special place in my heart. It's especially joyous when the friend is someone you haven't connected with for quite some time. Today, I hit the jackpot on this episode of Taking a Walk. The location is Boston, Massachusetts, and the spectacular Boston Common and the Public Garden. The Common is a central public park in downtown Boston, the oldest city park in the United States with tremendous historical significance. And the Public Garden is the first public botanical garden in America and is 24 acres of landscape beauty. It also happens to be one of my favorite places to take a walk. My guest is a presidential historian, Pulitzer Prize winning author, political commentator, and dear friend, the one and only Doris Kearns Goodwin. Well, hello, Doris. Hello, Bussy. <laughs> I miss you so much. It's been so long, and I'm here to report the whole the whole gang back in Concord and Carlisle and all points misses you so much as well. Oh, I miss Concord so much. I mean, more than 40 years of my life, the most beautiful town, I think, in this state. Um, but it's good to be in the city. It's good to be around people, um, to not be using a car, to be walking everywhere. You know, my son lives in my building. Michael comes in from Concord a lot, so I don't feel too far distant. But I do miss you guys and our nightly dinners, so it seemed, at one of the restaurants in Concord. Yeah, it would be so awesome. We would uh, we would see Doris come back from from one of her many uh, sojourns, and Doris would come back from her from her trip, and she'd be excited and energized and we say well where were you and she'd say you know just drop these little things like well I was uh, with President Obama at the White House and uh, she just drop it casually <laughs> no, it was a wonderful thing you know it was sort of a gang of us who could meet there and you'd know it's almost like family you could just catch up you know you just had seen them three days or four days before so it really was a part of what Dick and I loved about Concord you know I'm no in those last years of his life, we'd be driving from our house down Monument Street, you know, to the Colonial Inn or to Fiorella's, and he would just say over and over again how he loved that town. He always had wanted to live more in the country, and I always wanted to live in the city, so our compromise was Concord. He would have gone even further out, or he would have lived up in Maine, and I don't know that I would have been able to not be near a city, so after he died, it just made sense to not be in that big house alone and to come to a condo here in Boston. And what's turned out wonderfully is that I really do love cities, and I really can walk everywhere, which I hardly ever did in Concord. I mean, even I used to think, well, I'll walk into town, but, you know, somehow I wasn't doing as much walking there. And that's my main exercise here. I don't go to the gym, but I argue that I can walk, because where I live, you can walk everywhere, and the park is right here. Yeah, so we've uh, decided to, to take a walk first here uh, on the, uh, the Boston Common. Um, fairly uh, notorious place, I would say, right? Lots of history in this place. Wow. Oh my God. Um, so, uh, I mean, one thing as I was thinking about it is Martin Luther King giving uh, a speech here uh, in front of 22,000 people. Um, you, you, were you in 
D.C. when that was happening? No, I think maybe what you're talking about is the speech he gave, the anti-war speech. Um, he gave an anti-war speech in Boston that, that I do know about. Um, and, you know, and just because I live in different layers of history and you pass by all these statues of people, you know, there's Charles Sumner and there's somebody else. Or it's just amazing. Well, we have it in Concord, too. But, but you do feel like there used to be snowball fights right here on the common between the Irish and the Protestants. And I, I know about that. And you know about the one days when the cows were here. So it, it's great. It makes you feel like you, you're not just living in our time. That's what's so great about Boston, to have preserved its past so well. Do you think people rediscovered the outdoors uh, differently during the, the whole pandemic situation? It's a really interesting question. I absolutely do. I really think that's true, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And I think also with some of these places, such as uh, the North Bridge and even Walden, people rediscovered those places as well. They, I know I did. I mean, I was usually never home on, during the week I was traveling. I would see the places on the weekend, but uh, I rediscovered places as well with uh, the two dog walks a day that I was uh, required to take. Uh, and uh, it was beautiful to find these places or rediscover places. No, there's no question. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to walk amid beautiful scenery, no matter where you are, but to also add on to that, as you can in Concord and as you can in Boston, the history that's there. So you're not just going to see the river when you see the North Bridge. You're remembering what it was like when, you know, when the first shot was fired there. And you hear, you hear the sounds of it and you imagine what took place. So I, I think that's what's great about any kind of place that preserves its past, that it's got the outdoors and the natural beauty and the history and the memories all tied together. And you've been back uh, on the road uh, once again? Yeah, things have opened up again. I mean, for, for better or ill, I think many places that are event planners decided we better do it now and we need to get together. And you can feel that hunger. And just the mere fact of being together produces such joy. You realize what you missed when those human connections were taken away from us. And I was thinking about this, just how musicians are so desirous to get back on the road and play in front of their fans. Star that you are uh, miss that contact as well out there, right? So you're uh, back out and you're connecting in a different way. I'm sure virtual was spectacular in its own regard, but you, now you're back connecting with the fans. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, obviously writing is a solitary occupation, and that's been my major occupation. But for all the years that I was writing, Dick would be writing in another part of the house so that we could get together at lunch and we'd go out to dinner. So when I came here right before the the COVID started, um, I was really in the condo for, for a long period of time. And luckily, my son being two, two, doors, two floors away meant that I could see him as a pod. And I saw my little grandson grow from one and a half to three, things I wouldn't have seen had I lived in Concord, had I had my regular life. But I really missed seeing the people. What's wonderful about lecturing for me has been it's all different kinds of people. I mean, I spoke just recently to emergency physicians and then to um, real estate people and then to the Cincinnati Library. And each time you're in a different place, you're with a different group of people. And I get energy from that. I love it. And I, for 
forgot really how much, same thing about eating outside and coming finally now going inside restaurants, you forget how much that matters to be surrounded by people and the, the kind of force that it gives you and the energy it provides back. So it feels really good. Do you still get butterflies before you get up there? Oh, of course. You know, I mean, I think you should never as a professional um, ever feel relaxed and sometimes more than others. In fact, the interesting thing about what's happened to me since COVID is that because I was doing virtual lectures where there's no audience there, you know, you just they're just in boxes, um, I had to do it often on a teleprompter because it would look bad to be standing at a podium looking down, which is okay when they're right there, but not when you're on the screen. So for the first time, I used a teleprompter during virtual, and then I got used to it. <laughs> so now when I've gone places, I get scared because I'm using a teleprompter in a big event for the first time, but now I've done it a couple times, and it really is cool. I mean, it's one of those presidential teleprompters, so you can't see it from the outside. I, I never paid attention to what it is, and you can move your head a little bit, and then you don't have to worry about ever looking down. You're looking straight at the audience. So, And then people will sometimes say, I can't believe you memorized that whole five, you know, 45-minute speech. And I said, didn't you see that teleprompter there? No. It's, so it's been fun. It's one of the things I've learned from the virtual world. Well, you make things look easy. Well, now we're walking in the luxurious public garden here, which is one of the most spectacular places to take a walk, I think, anywhere. Isn't it, Doris? Oh, it's so beautiful. I mean, you've got the water, you've got the trees, you've got the grass, and again, you've got the memories. Here we come along the path that we're walking, and here's Wendell Phillips, one of the abolitionists, in his glory. Yes. Prophet of liberty and champion of the slave. So, Doris, how do you uh, recollect from your friends, some of uh, the presidents, um, that they utilize taking a walk to their advantage? Uh, is there anything you could speak of on how they did it, maybe, to sort of get a handle on things, to de-stress uh, in any way? Well, I think there's probably no question that Teddy Roosevelt was the one who used exercise of all manners to relax and replenish his energies. He needed to exercise from the time he was little to grow his lungs. And, and so walking and hiking were a real part of his life affirming activities and then became part of his ability to relax and let his mind go in a different direction. That's so important, I think, for any leader, for any of us, to just do something where you're not thinking about the very thing you may be worrying about and somehow some creative solution might come to it because you're out and, and not in the same place, sitting in your chair trying to work through a problem. Yeah, they, they, uh, they do feel like when you're sitting in that chair, you're, you're literally glued to the chair these days. You know? Right, so right. It's time to get moving, right, and get up and, and uh, get the juices flowing. So I think, uh, I think you know, Teddy had it right. Yeah, you know? I do too. Yeah. No, just look, look at what we're looking at right now. I mean, between the trees turning and the bridge over there and the water and the benches and the squirrels, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wonderful. So Doris, when you think of the many, many days and nights you spent in the White House over your, your life, um, you were there for many incredible moments in time. Any particular moments stick out for, for your memory while you were in the White House? You know, I think the most important thing is that when I realized that I first came there as 
a White House fellow when I was 24 years old and ended up working for Lyndon Johnson, having an office right there in the West Wing. And yet, every time I've been back since, and then I went every day there, you know, for a year and a half maybe, but every time I've been back since, it's still a sense of wonder at that place. It's so simple and so beautiful, so filled with so many memories of presidents that have been there. Such a buzz of activity, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's 24 hours a day. You know, you feel like it's it's, it's never stopping. And I, I love that feeling. That's why I like the city, too. The city seems alive all hours of the night. That's true of a place like the White House. So are you working on some particular uh, projects now? No, I've got a series of um, films that I'm working on for the History Channel. Um, Beth Lasky and, and me formed a partnership um, called um, Pastimes Production. So now we're doing one for um, Lincoln and one for Teddy Roosevelt. And so they're real, half of them are drama and half of them are docudrama. They got filmed in South Africa during the COVID period, actually. And they have a great place there. A lot of companies go to film there because you have all different scenery that you can get from, you know, from like for Teddy, from the Badlands to the tenements of New York. So and then you go over all the scripts and you go over all the cuts and you see the dailies at night. So it's, it's really been fun. And you, that process, you and Beth and your whole team, you've managed to make it a really efficient process even though you're not together, right? Yeah, somehow. I mean, Beth lives 3,000 miles, but, you know, it's, but I probably talk to her seven times a day, and we've seen each other a few times. But, yes, we've been able to do it um, through Zooms, you know, through Zooms with the people that we're working with, because you're working with a team when you're creating a film, so that, um, that it's made that possible, yeah. So any timetable on uh, this release? Well, the, the um, Lincoln one will be coming out President's Day, and then Teddy probably Memorial Day. Um, and then hopefully we're working on some others as well. But it's, it's really been, I think I just learned the, the pleasure of working with a team when I was able to be involved with the Lincoln movie with Spielberg. And, and again, just rather than slowing down, I feel like I'm fasting up, <laughs> if that makes for a word. <laughs> Well, you don't slow down, that's for sure. You keep rolling, and I so appreciate you uh, taking a walk here at the, uh, the Boston Comet and the Public Garden, and looking forward to now a great, uh, a great lunch. Um, but before I let you go, I made this observation when I was waiting at your apartment for you, when I saw all the many um, dog walkers that were coming in to take uh, uh, dogs for decided, here's my calling. Um, I'll come down here. Yeah. I'll, I'll take some dogs for a walk, and then I'll get to see you more frequently. And what, do you, what do you think? Sounds like a good combination. Look at all the paths you can do. Look at all the people doing it right here. Exactly so. It's a deal. We got a deal. We got a deal. Thanks, Doris. You are so welcome. I love you, too. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight. Available on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever podcasts are available.